All right, so that uh, was a little bit of Duran uh, Duran Wild Boys taking us <laughs> back a few years. Kind of fitting for the topics we're going to be discussing. A few years? Yeah. How you doing, Bree? I am splendid. How are you? <laughs> Good. Last we left you a couple episodes ago, you were three shoots to the wind and i think some people might have been concerned that is she coming back after that <laughs> so had had one had one email that came through on info at bkrpn.com oh god it was supportive you couldn't have told me this before it was supportive started. it was from kentucky uh oh, from from cletus who said she sure does sound purdy I think that's I think that's pretty positive. positive. So thank you, Cletus in Kentucky. Um, Yeah, I gotta say, it's kind of funny. We, oh my god, we finally (laughs) cracked. We finally cracked through into the Australian market. We got an Australian listener. Thank you, Geraldo. (laughs) (laughs) That was like uh, one of the few countries that hadn't been participating. but yeah, so yeah, I'm sorry. The last we we spoke was on the Valentine's Day drunk episode, and uh-huh. um, that was drunk. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know. It's probably best that uh, we all forget that one. I pretty much lost lost hmm. all control of that episode by the end. Um, but today, <laughs> but today, <laughs> I we're so I did scream gonna... a lot. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a. Uh, you had an impassioned speech. I did. I, I, I'm not on my soapbox today. Don't worry. And for those that want to like listen to what we were talking about, you can listen to that episode <laughs> anywhere that podcasts are available. If you haven't already, probably even can find it. It's only two episodes ago. Um, <laughs> that's all right. Well, you missed out on the discussion of uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Death on the Nile, Murder on the Nile, Death on the Nile, Death on the Nile. Sorry, the, there was a book that she wrote too, mm-hmm. Agatha Christie, and Liz and I talked about that. That was a really good movie. But we're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to talk about a television show and a movie, mm-hmm. specifically Netflix's Murderville season one, and then um, HBO Max is currently uh, housing Guillermo del Toro's uh, Nightmare Alley. Mm-hmm. which uh, was also fully loaded in the people that were performing in this film. Like there was a lot mm-hmm. of like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, yeah. who's not in this film. Yeah. But uh, let's say we started off with a little Murderville. <laughs> now, right. Murderville is exclusively on Netflix and this has what six episodes. That is correct. It, uh, it it stars Will Arnett, who is one of the people that I would love to talk to and interview on this show. He just cracks me up I in a lot of the stuff Batman that he does. Voice. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he plays an eccentric detective, Terry Seattle, that teams up with clueless celebrity guest stars to investigate a series <laughs> of murders in the improvisational crime comedy. And the thing that I like about this show is that everyone but the special guest celebrity has a script. 
and the celebrity <laughs> is coming in completely blind mm-hmm. to what's about to happen and they have to react and improvise all their dialogue now i know you <laughs> had some challenges at the beginning watching this show mm-hmm. what did you think of it when you finally had a chance to really pay attention to it um when I really had a chance to pay attention to it, when I, when I was in it, um, I had fun trying to see if I could figure out who the murderer was. So um, I was right once or twice, and then I was wrong all the other times. <laughs> um, my struggle was, I know that we've talked about comedy before, and I, I have a sense of humor. I feel like that's very evident, but I struggle with like, the goofy, silly, like slapstick humor. Okay. And so the very first episode is with Conan O'Brien. And I just very much felt like, um, like that's what I was watching. I mean, he did a good job, like knowing that he wasn't given a script. He didn't know what was going on in his, (laughs) his, reactions were like genuine but he was also trying to like hold it together um like I just I wasn't sold so I had to I had to pause before I could watch more um and then we get into an episode with Marshawn Lynch and I couldn't believe that Marshawn Lynch <laughs> was a part of this I really couldn't um I love him I think he's fantastic um for those who don't know, but everyone probably does know, like I'm a huge football fan um, uh, to the point of nerddom. So it was really funny to see him in there. I was disappointed that we didn't get a, I'm just here so I don't get fined joke. Really, <laughs> really waiting for one of those. Okay, but, but let me interject. Let me interject. His training, is that where we're going with this? <laughs> Yes, when when Will Arnett, I'm sorry, when Terry Seattle looks at him and says, "Are you ready to do this?" and he's like, "Yeah, let's go get these motherfuckers." It's like, "Yeah, let's go get these motherfuckers." And then he asks him if he's had any formal training, and he's like, "I've seen training day." <laughs> he yeah, had I, some of he had some of the best one liners in that. A hundred percent. His episode was in my top two. Um, You know, but going back to Conan O'Brien, I think there was two defining moments in there for me that I actually was like, okay, Conan was not prepared for the scene because you (laughs) could tell he was hurt. The one where they're at the restaurant and they decide to eat the wings or the, no, the the sloppy... The, yeah, jalap- the Joe's. jalapeno Joes or something like jalapeno Joes. And Will Arnett Joe. is just, Joe's, that's what they call <laughs> Will Arnett is just sloppy Joe. dumping this crazy spicy hot sauce on it continuously and he's eating it and you can tell he's not doing well during uh-uh. this scene. <laughs> like grabbing ice cubes out of his margarita. And then I did kind of laugh a little bit when they made him go up to um the house and he had to wear the earpiece while will's characters in the car Mm -hmm. telling him what to to say (laughs) that was actually kind of uh entertaining but yes marshawn lynch's was one of my favorites Mm -hmm. um also uh ken jung 
<laughs> that was my favorite. That was that was probably the one that made me laugh the hardest because every scene Ken looked like he was two seconds away from losing his shit. And in some cases he did. <laughs> like he would turn away because you could tell he's crying, trying <laughs> trying to think of the next thing to say. And I thought it was an amazing episode. Have you um and between that one and the Sharon Stone one, like you could see like the all of the characters are breaking characters, but it was fantastic. I thought Sharon Stone was phenomenal. We can touch base on her in a second. Okay. Um, but going back to Ken, oh my goodness. Um he have you ever seen have you ever seen him in anything else? Well, yeah, I mean, he's been in th- besides besides the Mass Singer, which is currently on uh, what is it NBC? I think it is. Um, yeah, Hangover. Mm-hmm. I've seen him in that series. Yeah, uh, that's where Community. I, I that's where I first saw him though was okay. the Hangover series. But okay. yeah, Community. Um, yeah, but I haven't seen a lot of other things with him though. So I felt like he was very true to himself throughout yeah. his entire episode which is what why I liked it so much and it's really funny because you bring up Mass Singer like some of the things that are in the responses that he had so like in Mass Singer which oh, yeah. I'm I haven't seen I've saw like the first three seasons because I love Nick Cannon um <laughs> <laughs> um he he's like notorious for being like i know exactly who this yep. is so then at the very end when he's picking who the murderer is he's like i know exactly which one of you it is and i'm like it's it, just it's, it's who he is, like, he is yeah. <laughs> he's like he is himself in everything that he does and i think that it's just phenomenal he makes me laugh so much and like even though his humor is oftentimes kind of like that silly slapstick humor because he laughs at himself in the process like it's you can't you can't not like unless you have no soul like you can't not laugh and be entertained by Ken um the Sharon Stone episode okay that was like my number three like her level of seriousness is hysterical like she's like for not being scripted and being just so dominating like I love her so much I oh and like her she did such a good job like there's this scene where they're doing like Zumba lessons and so she's like kind of trying to like go with the flow but also (laughs) is like no I'm trying to solve this murder and I'm gonna get it right so she's asking all these questions and the questions that she comes up with because she actually asks questions None of the others in any of their episodes really were like taking the role of detective seriously. Oh, wait, hold on. But one exception that I can recall up front is um, Conan O'Brien actually was trying to interrogate the waitress while he's eating the sloppy joe <laughs> that is true that's true that's yeah true. but but anyways yeah go ahead yeah so she was just very like very direct at everything that she was doing to the point where like that was an episode where when I was trying to figure it out like I knew why she chose who she chose but I also wanted to choose somebody else and I was on the fence and I saw a lot of misleading things happening throughout that episode of like, oh man, like, is it all three people? Um, in the <laughs> end, no, it was only one person, but like, 
Like, I understand why she made the decision that she made everyone else. Like when they made their decisions, unless it was like, also my decision, I was always kind of like, huh? Okay. So what was your least favorite episode and why? Uh, the Conan O'Brien one. Okay. But it was the first one just because that was the introduction of what it was going to be like. Okay. And I didn't like it at first, but I did go back even just today and I watched that episode, even though I knew I had already seen it. Um, I watched it again and I'm like, okay, like now that I have a feel for the show and I understand the direction of everything. And in the end of the six episodes, it technically comes full circle, right? Right. Um, with like a, a backstory too, um, which made it interesting as well. Um, it, I would still consider it my least favorite just because I still have that first impression. Okay. But because you're going into this, I mean, unless you're listening to something like our podcast right now or <laughs> reading ahead of time, you don't necessarily know what to expect. Like I didn't see any previews for it or anything. So I watched that first oh, episode gotcha. and I was like, why does Eric have me watching this bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite part of the entire first season is the fact that Terry Seattle's dead partner mm-hmm. is Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> a picture of her in a police uniform on uh-huh. the wall and her desk looks like it hasn't been touched since like the 1930s and it's yeah. set in modern day. 15 years. That's, it is my the favorite The dead part. rabbit in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, you're supposed to feed it. <laughs> yeah. I told you I don't touch anything. Um, I would say, and this is where you and I are going to differ. My least favorite episode was Sharon Stone. I laughed the least in that episode because of how serious she was. Oh, that's what I liked so much. I was like, when she was like, I'm Bay, badass extraordinaire. I was like, damn straight <laughs> you is. <laughs> uh, but I do like the fact that um, the people in each of the episodes had to make a guess mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. to determine who they think the killer was for that episode and i love the fact that not everybody got it right mm-hmm. that I it was too. yeah that some people did get it right and some people <laughs> didn't and how and i loved also that the police chief would then say why they got it right or wrong mm-hmm. and all the clues that they missed if they were mm-hmm. wrong and you're like oh okay yeah. so both for re- evidence of why it wasn't them and evidence yeah. of why it was yeah I agree with that but I would love to see um hopefully they green light it for a second season because it's unique I yeah. think it's a unique uh thing plus two we still need to f- to um I have a theory about jennifer aniston's uh character's death even though they kind of tell you what's how that occurred i still think though that we're gonna see something like a big twist in a season two i kind of thought that too if they would have a second season it's just what's so interesting about it and what i think makes us so unique with the guest appearances with the guest celebrities and them not being scripted right is that even though they weren't scripted there's still a storyline yes you know like it's still like it's still following the story of like of his partner who was murdered 15 years ago and the case never being solved right 
Right. So um, plus two, I feel like we still need to get more of a backstory on that. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping that maybe season two, they'll actually get Jennifer Aniston to film some backstory, like flashback stuff. Mm-hmm. That'd, that'd be, be kind of, that'd yeah. be kind of cool. Yeah. So overall then season one, um, one to 10 sh- uh, sludge shakes. <laughs> all right. All right. That all right. episode, by the way, I kept getting really annoyed because there was a lot of continuity issues. The box <laughs> kept turning and it was really irritating me because one side would be directions. The yeah. other side would be all these like hazardous material stickers. And like, it's like the box kept rotating. And I was like, oh. I'm willing to bet they did that on purpose, but all right. They did it enough that I bet that they did. Yeah. And let me tell you. It still annoyed you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. On a scale of one to 10 sludge shakes, what would you give it? Seven and a half. All right. That's fair. Uh, I'm going to meet you right there. Seven and a half. I think because of the fact that there was a a couple of slow moments in some of the episodes where I'm like, mm. overall though, I still like the choices of guests that they had. I, oh, yeah. I think, I think that it was still, um, it was fun. It was fun, but seven and a half is a good one. I enjoyed, this is going to sound weird without anyone seeing it, but I enjoyed the nipple play scene. Oh Lordy. With, yes. the, with the dead body because the guy who was playing the dead body could not stop laughing <laughs> it was so funny to me. <laughs> uh yeah yeah the dead body when they're examining it and then they're like i think it was will arnett that started it he starts he pinching showing, the guy's nipples going yeah he's well, like these... showing how it's the perfect incision it's symmetrical in so the nipple, the it just keeps touching it and you can see the actor who's supposed to be playing the dead body like trying so hard not to lose his shit during that scene <laughs> that was great i did think that was funny <laughs> um all right so let's talk about uh guillermo del, del toro del toro yeah yep. nightmare alley uh-huh. Now, before I give you the synopsis, at first when I sat through it and I got to the end, the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, I swear I've seen a premise like this before, whether it's like Twilight Zone or something. We'll come to find out this is actually a remake of a 1947 film, Nightmare Alley. So it's I just did a not know that. Yeah, it's a but I, and that's why I had to realize that, oh, okay. I've seen the original. That's why the story sounds so familiar. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this film is set in 1940s New York. Down on his luck, Stanton Carlisle endears himself to a clairvoyant and her mentalist husband at a traveling carnival. Using newly acquired knowledge, Carlisle crafts a golden ticket to success by swindling the elite and the wealthy. Hoping for a big score, he soon hatches a scheme to con a dangerous tycoon with help from a mysterious psychologist who might be his most formidable opponent yet. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Let's go through the cast on this. You got Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Just pause for a minute while you ladies take that in. He plays the lead, Stanton Carlisle. You got Kate Blanchett, who's Lilith Ritter. She's the psychologist. Runa Mara, or Rooney Mara, who is Molly. Um, she is one of the circus performers that 
basically Stan kind of falls for. Mm-hmm. You got Tony Collette. She's Zena Krumbine. She's the um, uh, like tarot the card seer. reader. Yeah. yeah. So she does all the predictions. Willem Dafoe plays Clem Holtley, who's who's basically running like the geek cage, if you will. Mm-hmm. Ron Perlman. Mm-hmm. My goodness. I was like, Ron bless your heart Mm -hmm. dude you're still big for your age man we don't talk about bruno right (laughs) yep he's bruno he uh he's interesting paul anderson plays the geek uh let's see who else we got in here we got david uh stratter he plays um i think he was the mentalist husband wasn't he yeah Mm -hmm. he played Pete. pete Mm-hmm. Richard Jenkins didn't recognize him as Ed, Ezra Grindel, the ty- the dangerous tycoon, because he had the full beard. Mm. Like it, most other people would know him from one of his amazing roles as um, the potential stepfather in Step Brothers. That was that was you know one of the the big role. I know your favorite Will Ferrell stuff. It's good stuff right there um mary steenburgen i mean a lot of people would be like wait who's that well she played in back to the future three she was emmett's love interest she was in this film too as well there's maybe it's stepbrothers that i'm thinking of her in yeah actually she was in that too Uh uh-huh okay right i mean yeah actually that is the stepbrothers connection right there okay yeah good stuff um i was just looking through the list of everyone else that was in here uh okay so i think those are the like the heavy hitters oh yeah and the that's some serious heavy hitting by the way um jim beaver for anyone who watches supernatural oh lord (laughs) (laughs) okay so this movie i didn't bother doing any research on it and then towards the end i realized that i had seen something similar to this before Mm -hmm. of course re-establishing the fact that it's a remake but um it starts off kind of with a bang i mean you see bradley cooper's character stan coming out of a a house which looks like he's carrying a body and puts a body inside the floorboards Mm -hmm. and lights it on fire and then bails he heads out next thing you know he's hanging out with carnival and he starts realizing that there's some money to be made um scamming audiences i mean really that's what it comes down to what did you think about this film oh um it was very long which is yeah about two and on, a half hours. On, on par for um, Guillermo del Toro. So he is a, um, he's a screenwriter, director. Um, I've always been a huge fan of his. Um, if you've seen Pan's Labyrinth, that's Guillermo del Toro. Great movie. Great movie. Fantastic. Um, and Bradley Cooper, huge Bradley Cooper fan. <laughs> I would be crazy if I wasn't. So I had a little bit of a level of high expectation in going to this movie. Are you a Bradley Cooper fan because of Rocket Raccoon? You have a thing for furry animals. Nailed it. Okay, cool. Just checking. <laughs> You're welcome, Peter. <laughs> um, some of the things that kind of 
threw me off a little bit. Um, a love and a hate is that the entire movie is in black and white. I love that because it helped stay true to its time period. But I also hated it because I felt so like, because the movie was already so long, there are moments of like, where it gets very slow. And then being in black and white, it felt even slower. And I felt very uninterested. Now I saw it in theaters. Um, I don't think I would have been able to continue to watch it if I would have stayed at home. I know you're making that face because you freaking love black and white. No, I'm making the face of the smirk because I watched it on HBO Max and the entire film is in color. Are you kidding me? If I was kidding, I would have started the conversation off with a priest and a cowboy walking to a bar. The whole film on HBO Max is in color. That's hilarious. Okay, so like I also have a level of disappointment because when I went to go and see this in theaters, I was like, okay, I can see Nightmare Alley or I can see House of Gucci. And I thought that... Um, I don't know. I don't, I honestly, I don't know why I made the decision to watch Nightmare Alley over House of Gucci because I wanted to see them both, but House of Gucci mm-hmm. is like higher on my list. And to this day, I still haven't seen it. Ironically, one has Bradley Cooper, the other has Lady Gaga. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, well, then the stars. The day after, right? <laughs> the day after I watched it, not only did it drop on HBO Max, it also dropped mm-hmm. on Hulu. I think I'm going to go back and watch it. I highly recommend. Yes. Because like that, like I said, like I had a love hate for it. And because mm -hmm. of that, I like had, it wasn't my favorite movie. Like out of everything Guillermo del Toro that I've ever seen, everything Bradley Cooper I've ever seen, both like phenomenal in everything that they do. I was, I was disappointed. Um, I, I don't want to jump into a rating yet, so I'll keep that. To no, myself, no, 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 like, that's totally fine. But the what level I was going to say, cast that they had, I mean, like, yeah, like yeah. you said it before, like very heavy hitters, and everyone did so well, but the story just wasn't fully there for me. And every time, maybe I didn't like it because I couldn't predict it. Okay. Every time I felt right, like fair. I knew where it was heading, I was like, right, oh, like I, I would have not. But you know, now I want to see it in black and white. And I'm sure the black and white edition, it probably exists somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because when you do see it in HBO Max, I got to tell you, the color pops the way they filmed really? it. Yeah, the, the, when they block out the shots in every uh-huh. scene, there's usually something that stands out. So whether really? whether he is at like the carnival I have to rewatch this. Yeah. So like when he's at the carnival and he sees Molly doing kind of her electric girl thing. Uh-huh. Well, when you're watching it in color, I mean, those bolts are lighting up like purple. It's it, everything about it is oh, popping. Um, Kate Blanchett, what? who is stunning in every mm-hmm. role that she does she's beautiful in black and white too she's got this blonde hair and it's mm-hmm. it, bright red lips your eyes are drawn to it in every single scene she's mm-hmm. in especially the ones in her office that is so interesting to me. and then you got molly who mm-hmm. is wearing the dress kind of near the end and walking through the garden Mm-hmm. It's been out for a while, so uh, I mean, yeah, if I accidentally re- mm-hmm. it reveals yeah. something, I mean, especially since it's a remake, but Molly's walking through in the white dress and she's got with blood, blood all over her. It's a powerful scene because it's snowing in the garden, right? Yeah, and you're just I like, mean, Whoa. even that it's it's 
don't get me wrong it was cool and black and white but it just made it feel so much slower Mm -hmm. that is so interesting yeah and you know it's kind of funny too and I don't know if I told you this or if I told someone else but as I was watching it like there were moments where it felt almost like more like sapia than black and white so I was like kind of feeling like we might go in the direction of like of um colorization uh, um (laughs) what the hell the wizard of oz where like once they got out of the carnival and into their Mm -hmm. their high-end lifestyle maybe now the color would come into play so i was kind of like waiting for that to happen too and never did what i loved the most about this movie aside from bradley cooper (laughs) (laughs) um what I love most about this movie was it comes full circle. And as that's happening, mm-hmm. I was like, I was sitting in the theaters. I was the only person there. I had the theater all to myself. And I love when that happens because when I'm with people, I'm not out loud talking through the movie and like talking, but like when right. it's just me, I'm like, I'm talking it out to myself because like, I'm like, I'm dissecting everything. So like, sure if someone was like a fly on the wall when I'm watching a movie by myself, they'd be like, she is batshit crazy. <laughs> and that's what I was doing. I was like, oh my God. Oh my, oh, oh, oh my God. Like, like seeing it come full circle. Like I was like anticipate, like I knew where yeah. it was going and it was like breaking my heart. And I'm like, Argh. and then that laugh, that laugh at the end too, of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, it, oh, it definitely had an crushing. element it had an element of kind of twilight zone-ish too mm-hmm. as you Very kind of go through so. the film because the much. whole time you're like something seems off about everyone yeah I mean, everyone in the film seems like they're off but mm-hmm. well done well executed i love the casting i love mm-hmm. the fact that i didn't know that it was in black and white and i happened to watch it in color yeah <laughs> sorry uh all right I, so yeah, i gotta go back and i need to yeah watch it on a on a on a scale of one to ten gunshots from a you know small little revolver with a ivory handle, really wasn't <laughs> sure where we were going with this. Yeah, <laughs> nickel plated pistol. That's right. Uh, how many uh, how many are you gonna give it? One out of ten. So I said I didn't want to jump into rating too soon. So. IMDb has given it a seven point one. Mm-hmm. Now I want to know how skewed it is. How many of those people saw it in color, and how many saw it in black and white? Fair. Uh, I definitely am going to, without a doubt, watch this again so that I can see it in color. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but based on my experience that I had, um, I'm gonna go like six point nine. Okay. I'm giving it a solid eight. I'm giving oh. it a solid eight. Even for a remake, it it was well done. Um, and I like the fact that now I know that there's two different versions of the film. I, you know, and I don't <laughs> mind sitting through it in black and white. I mean, I spend a lot of time watching black and whites on TCM or mm-hmm. and such. But so that doesn't it's bother just, me. It's it's different mm-hmm. watching Casablanca versus nightmare alley so just like again like it stayed true to its time period so i appreciated that yeah i do like that time period the 1940s yeah yeah it just left me like it wasn't what i wanted 
Okay. But so, even so, like I said, it was kind of like shot in like it seemed more like sapia at times than black and white. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in seeing those colors pop because like even Kate Blanchett's character, you talk about her blonde hair. I mean, you can see that she's got light hair, but her like lips pop, right? She got these dark lips. Mm-hmm. So hmm. The lighting I'm on that. Intrigued. So what's on your uh what's on your radar then coming up um of things that you're watching? before we wrap it up um dropout on hulu it's about elizabeth holmes with the um i don't really i don't really know all of the backstory some kind of like medical breakthrough it's based on like a true story um not like a true story it's based on a true story um there's the inventing anna which is on netflix and that's Mm -hmm. the Anna Delvey Sorkin story. Um, I've already watched that. It was good. Um, I would recommend it. That's something that we could talk about. I've seen a lot of memes recently surrounding um, that show in particular that are slightly humorous. Um, What else have I watched? (laughs) What else is on my radar? Well, my radar right now, uh, one movie that dropped yesterday on Disney Plus, uh, Turning Red. Oh, that came out already? Yep, I okay. saw it. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about it until you have an opportunity to, and then we can chat that at some point. Um, I still want to see the, uh, what is it, uh, Netflix, the... Um, the Adam Project? To... Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Adam Project looks uh, interesting. I just saw, yeah, I just saw a preview for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm in on, on that. Now. Yeah. And then my usual, my usual fare too coming up. uh, I mean, you got Obi Wan Kenobi coming up on Disney Plus. I've seen that trailer. Yeah, (laughs) Moon Knight. I mean, so my usual Marvel and Star Wars fares are coming up. Whatever. I'm excited about. (laughs) I'm excited about Star Wars, but I again, like, I don't care. You can (laughs) take me take me down in a headlock i'm very marveled out that's very a shame because hawkeye was really good I, I i promise i will see it eventually but it's just like man we have a pandemic and a marvel epidemic like come on like <laughs> all right well you've been listening to the red carpet cafe i am uh, one of your hosts eric root And I am your other host, Brie Prout. And of course, the Red Carpet Cafe is a member of the Be Kind Rewind podcast network. You can find us on the web at bkrpn.com. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Especially you out there in Australia. Good day, mate.